opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in. Take my hand. Say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious, we'll be friends. Welcome in everyone to Visibilities on Friday evening, September 22nd with Hurricane, with what is she? I guess she's Tropical Storm Ophelia coming up the East Coast uh, over the weekend and hopefully everyone will stay warm and dry. Uh, other than that, this is a very special event this evening. We are starting our series of entertainers, people in the entertainment field who are blind or visually impaired and have uh, made their lives work from that genre, uh, which actually is a, has a whole lot of subgenres, if you will. <laughs> and so I could not come up with even pondering anyone, the first person that came to mind, because he has been an author of 15 books. He has been a producer, an actor, a singer, a musician, uh, I don't even want to, uh, producer, director, you name it. He has done just about everything you can imagine in the general entertainment world. And that is our special guest this evening, Tom Sullivan. A lot of you may remember Tom from his first book, If You Could See What I Hear, which later became a movie that I know influenced so many people in the 1970s and continues today. I've had people getting in touch with me to see about getting it at this point in time, getting it audio described. And I think that would be a fabulous idea if we can get that done. And so I, without any further ado, I want to welcome Tom Sullivan to Visibilities. Terry, I'm delighted to be here, and it really bothers me. I didn't know that if you could see what I hear was not audio described, and I'll and I'll uh, certainly support and get involved in making sure it is. This is uh, what was amazing about that film. I don't know where we're starting, but I thought about this a lot. It, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was the first piece of movie making that let people laugh with disability, not at it. And I'm really proud of that because it, it, it really was, uh, it was a true story and it was a wonderful project to work on. The guy that, that, uh, I wrote the script with was a fellow named Stuart Gillard. And he, uh, he really understood Tom, you know, when, when, when it's your life, it's, uh, it's hard to be objective. This guy really was, and, and he chose to make the film about my college life and, and then falling in love with Patty, and that's, 
three years ago, and <laughs> we're we're still blessed to be together. So uh, all things considered, and that's pretty amazing in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I think it is. But I am proud of it, and I'm glad you, your listeners have enjoyed it. And uh, boy, let's uh, talk to someone like Rick Boggs out here and and get this thing um, get this thing audio described. Boy, that's disturbing. I just had never thought about it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I hadn't either, truthfully. But, it, you know, because it is so far back, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah it was actually, ni- my goodness, 1983. Oh, boy. My, but, but you wrote the book in, what, 70? I wrote the book in the 70s, yeah. Five or something like that, yeah. <laughs> my uh, Tom, can you tell us um, a little bit about, I have been running through Bard, to see what of your books were available on there, and I've read several of them. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm kind of a stymie because I'm kind of stuck about 2009. So I'm wondering, what kind of books have you been writing in more recent years? I did, uh, let's see, in 2009, that would have been a book, I think, called Scene Lessons. Yeah, I would uh, say it's this 14 Lessons. I, then I got into writing novels for Thomas Nelson, um, book called Together, and a novel called A Live Day, and um, one called A Short Life Well Lived. And that book, that is on audio, A Short Life Well Lived. It, um, you know, you, you have moments in your life, Terry, I think, that change your life. And this book was written in tribute to a little girl uh, named Molly that Patty and I met. Uh, I had been sent years ago by Good Morning America to Winter Park, Colorado, to profile a bunch of kids with cancer called the Sunshine Children. And they came from MD Anderson in Texas. And the first year we went, my family came to, and we met this little girl, Molly Newberry, and, and she... Um, he had just been diagnosed with a, a, a full sarcoma. Uh, she just started to lose her hair, but she learned to ski while she, the two weeks they were there with my son, Tom. Uh, and, and we just fell in love with her. And, and Dinah, the golden retriever that I had at the time, became Molly's best friend. And literally, instead of guiding me around, Dinah hung out with Molly. <laughs> Second year, I went back, this time not for the show, not for Good Morning, but because we wanted to volunteer, and they had taken Molly's right leg off, and Molly learned to ski that year as an amputee. My son, uh-huh. Tom, and Tom chose to learn to ski as a, an amputee without rigors, and that was wonderful. The third year, Molly... She had removed her other leg, and, and yet she still wanted to be there. We spent time, Tom and I, taking her down the mountain on a sled. The last night of the, of the uh, event, two weeks, they had a dance for the kids, and I was sitting next to Molly on the side of the room with her little Texas accent. She said, now, Tom, she said, uh, you pick me up, and I want to dance, and you can I'll drive you like a big truck. <laughs> so I picked her up, and it was kind of, we sort of staggered around the room, and we sat back down, and she had a big sigh. 
And I said, Molly, you okay? And she said, well, I haven't been sleeping much. I said, well, what's the matter? Well, every night the angels come. They sing. She said, yeah. Said, they say that uh, I'll be with them someday soon. And she died two weeks later. Oh, uh, gosh. I wrote this book after two years of research on everything relevant in pediatric cancer. So the book is the story of a family. It goes, it's also a book that deals with the crisis of, of uh, father and mother in faith as they try to navigate this. And it, it was a really successful book. It, it, it's still being read a lot, and uh, I loved it. And now I'm in the middle of the best novel I think I've ever written that uh, will be out next year. So it's nice to be this age and <laughs> <laughs> still have stuff to do. And you and I are about the same age, and look what you're doing. So that's all about wanting life to still be valuable, don't you think? Yes, it absolutely is. And we, you know, we need to do whatever we want, whenever we want, and with whatever skills we maintain um, in order to have a fulfilled life. And that's, you know, I think people need to learn that from the get-go, whether they're born blind or um, born with low vision or end up on on the journey somewhere else during their lifetime. And, you know, but that's the important that. I, thing. I, 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 you, you're so on the ball on this. I, I don't know if you feel this way, but, you know, I was born blind, retrolunal fibroplasia, you know, three months premature right. in the incubator. And a lot of us were. Mm. I'll tell you what, I, I've, I've never said this publicly, and I wish I had. Being blind from birth is a picnic compared to the people who lose it along the way. Oh, yeah. Those folks deserve so much credit that... Penny, can oh, you mute? I'm sorry. Penny, can you mute? I'm picking up on a lot of background with you. I'd appreciate it. Thanks. I'm sorry, Tom. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I, I just I want the think, podcast to come out well. That's what's. Yeah, yeah. I just think those folks, there's so much. I, I, I can't imagine it takes to readjust your life. And I've had so many friends like that. Um, now, it does disturb me when I play golf against them and they kick my ass because <laughs> a lot of them were good golfers when they could see, and they, they go on to be very good golfers as blind guys and ladies. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I just have so much respect for anybody that fights that battle. Yes, and because it is, it's such a, a, a huge... It's just such a huge change for them, and um, and I think you know some of your books. I think have done. I know I've read together, and I'm in actually I'm in the middle of a live day. Um, I hope you'll enjoy that. I, that's a book that I'm really proud of, Gary. It it, uh, it seems to be. I haven't gotten too far into it yet, uh, but I. Uh, it seems to be. I, I think well, I'm really going to enjoy that to, book. I got to read those books. Um, a lot of them uh, for audio, and <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Uh, when I was at Good Morning America, I used to have to do the news, you know, for ABC. All right. And I didn't know how the hell I was going to do it, so I would get a reader that would back then that would read the news into a mini cassette, 
And then I'd put a, you know, an earpiece in. And I would read the, you know, I'd listen, obviously, to the voice and, re- and, and read the book out loud. Your brain gets completely fried when you do that. And it was, it's one thing to do a five-minute newscast. It's another <laughs> to read a 15-hour book. <laughs> <laughs> they can put you in, in a place for uh, demented people after you do that. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure... We had a dear we had we had a dear friend down here in Virginia. That's, that's, that's about how we all adapt. I that's it. In, I wanted to be in that job, and the only way I could get it. This is so interesting, you know, for your for your listeners. Every single job I had, with the exception of the music, because the music, the music, uh, you either were good at it or you weren't. But all the acting jobs I did and all of the talk show shows I hosted or did, I, uh, particularly the acting stuff, I had to write every script because nobody was looking for a blind guy. You know, it, 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 yeah. it had to be resourceful. I'll tell you a, a really great story. Um, um, Aaron Spelling was the best producer, of, well, the non-producer of series television uh huh. One of the shows that he did was uh, Dynasty. Remember that with Linda Evans. I do. John Fawcett. I okay. still have my my Alexa suit in the closet. I think. <laughs> Good for you. So, <laughs> that's wonderful. So anyway, uh, Joan. Yeah, Joan. So there was a part that was written, supposed to be a series regular, for a blind country singer. And I thought, oh boy, I didn't write it. I thought that's perfect for me. So, but you got to get ready. So I asked for an audition, and I went out and I bought uh, everything country—a a, a big hat, a cowboy shirt, jeans with a gigantic western buckle belt, an expensive pair of boots. Then I went into the recording studio with with my musicians who were who were musicians. We made the wrote a song called "Make It Through." I can make it through the night, or help me make it through the night. And I went into the audition, and there's about thirty people in the room, and it was with Linda Evans, who's a all right woman. So I, I, we did the uh, line readings, and then I sang the country song. And everybody, the women particularly in the room were crying. I thought, oh, I've got this job. And Aaron Spelling was a little tiny man, small little man. And he turned to his assistant, her name was Esther. He said, oh, God, Esther, he's too damn good at being blind. And I didn't know <laughs> <laughs> They hired a sighted guy to be a blind guy, which is so unfair, not to me. But, you know, you look at all the folks with disabilities who want to be in showbiz, and when the, when the nature of your disability inhibits your ability to get the job, it, it's horrible. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. I did a pilot once uh, for Gary Marshall, the guy who did Happy Days and Mork and Mindy and other things. Oh, yeah. I did a pilot with a wonderful guy named Jim Kennard, who was had been a world-class pole vaulter 
was on his motorcycle going to practice, got hit from behind by an 88-year-old man in a car and became a, a paraplegic. And Gary Marshall wrote a script uh, called Hooks and Wheels. And it was basically Jim Knob as a wheelchair-bound person and Tom as a blind person out of necessity becoming roommates. And it was a great script. And we did a great job at that. In show business, it's a hard, tough world, and you win and you lose. Um, it's just the nature of it. It is, and I think that there's, you know, there's more being done, or more, be, more, a little bit more opportunity. At least I like to, from what I hear about it. Trust me, I am not an acting person. <laughs> um, what you see is when what you I, get with first, me. When but, I first talked to you, I got the impression that you would not be an acting person. You know why? You tell the producers to go to hell. <laughs> I think that's your personality. Yeah, that actually yeah. probably is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, it's, John it's, would. It is a, go ahead. Sorry. I, what I was going to say is, I know that we have a few people here this evening who would love to ask you a few questions, oh, and one or two from way back when, who uh, have been who are on who don't usually come on. Um, they usually listen on Media One, but because Tom was going to be here, one in particular, and I'm going to ask her to unmute. Kathy, you want to uh, unmute? You want to do that by hitting star six on your phone. Rest okay. Kathy. Okay, hey, now we'll see if Tom remembers this voice. <laughs> Tommy, I don't know whether you'll know my voice or not. It hasn't changed that much. I, wait a minute. Is that Kathy Roach? That's it. Yes. <laughs> oh, my my name's Kathy Devon now, but it's Kathy Roach. That's right. Kathy Devon, Kathy Roach, uh, Devon Roach. Oh, my goodness, Kathy. It's wonderful to talk to you. I, I'll tell you. Share. Uh, sure. Kathy was about three years behind me, I think, weren't you, Kathy? I was, yeah, I was three, no, two, yeah, three years behind you. And I don't know if you remember this, there was a Dwight Hall concert. We went to the concert and sat together, and we were like early teenagers. And we held hands, and we got in trouble for holding hands. I remember this. 65 years. <laughs> and what was funny was the woman that did it was a social worker. And um, I won't say her name or anything because I don't want to get into trouble. But anyway, <laughs> the, 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 her name rhymed with a song called Mother-in-Law. And, we used, to, and we used to sing it. And you'd go, Satan should be her name and then her name. And, if, <laughs> and, well, Kath, I, and I always remember to her. I had that chose to be fluent in a language, Spanish, I remember. That's right, uh, yep. Uh, and you were, and the rest of us, I remember that we had a kid in, in our, my class, Ernie Anderson, who went to you to try to learn bad words in Spanish. That's right, that's right. <laughs> why, that's does right. Not why does that not surprise me, Ernie? <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Well, Kathy, tell me, I know I'm not supposed to ask, but tell me about your life now. Uh, married with children, yes? No, I never had any kids. Um, I had lots of animals, dogs, and cats, and like that. Um, and I've been, this is my fourth marriage. Um, well, I, hope, I hope this one's a charm, as they say. Oh, he's, he's someone I've known, I knew all my life, and I wish I had married him first, but I didn't. But anyway, um, life's interesting. Um, and I lived in Canada for many, many years. And uh, I lived and then I came back here. Uh, back did you, to did you did you because you were you are such a gifted bright woman did you did you chase a profession was there something how did you oh I had several I worked for the the uh, U S government for the Civil Service Commission for years yeah. um, my avocation was I used to sing in Irish pubs and country pubs and all that kind uh, of now stuff now you're talking my kind of thing well that's right <laughs> I did that's right I'll tell you what I, I wish I didn't. Ha- I I love Ireland and I want to go. I've never been, and I'm dying to go. You know, what? she keeps trying to track me, me into going again. <laughs> let me see if I can arrange that. I oh. um, I'm actually a member of the Irish Dole, the Irish Parliament. I mean, an honorary oh. member because I spent years and years and years raising money in Ireland for uh, to guarantee every in Ireland tutor. And phone access. It was. Uh, it's been a wonderful project, and I also got really active in in uh, the adoption question in Ireland because it's very complicated. And we go as a family. My we go every year to play the Irish golf courses that I love so much. And and my father, Porky Sullivan, yep. was born in Kinsale, a beautiful village on the west coast. It is. And actually, uh, uh, I've got a Kathy. I've got a. I'm finishing a novel now that I'm really proud of, but I have one that will be the last great work of my life um, called Maeve. And it's the, it's going to be the novel of, of the story of Queen Maeve, a famous Irish Oh, yes, queen. yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, and the great thing about this is uh, I'm going to, Patty and I are going to go over and go to Trinity College in Forth and study ancient Irish legends, and then go to Kinsale, uh, where we're going to rent an Irish cottage and live there for a year. Oh, can I come and visit? (laughs) Yes, that's what what I have in mind. Oh, God, I'd love it. I have always wanted to go. I I don't speak Gaelic, but I can sing it. And as I said, (laughs) I used to sing in the pubs all the time uh, when I was younger. Um, I wish I heard that. I wish... And I remember you played, you were one of the early... I played the guitar, guitar, that's right. You were one of the early folk guitar people for us. Do you remember, I don't know if people know this, but when Kathy and I were in Perkins, one of our house mothers, or at least mine, I don't know if you probably didn't, but one of my house mothers was Joan Baez. No, see, we were, I was younger, and Joan Baez actually, she, they, they let her be with the older boys for a while, and then they decided that probably was... So that young kids. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, the great part of that was Joan would sing uh, for all of us at, at story time, or you know, after after supper. Yep. And and years later, when I was sort of famous, uh, I was on an airplane, and this woman came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder, said. 
you still have the same blonde hair. Oh, ma'am, <laughs> yes. She said, I'm Joan Baez. Do you remember me? And we actually then went ahead and did some work together uh, for a nonprofit. As she, 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 was, she is a great, great person. That's oh, yeah. Boy, if you woke up the uh, the ghosts, Kathy Roach. <laughs> you were, but thank you for the. I, I know uh, Terry, that you've got some other folks, but Kathy, um, you. But, but Terry will make sure you have my phone number. Oh, let's do that. So we can. Oh, I'd love to do that. That'd so be awesome. Communicate with Terry. Okay, I'll do that. She knows All how right. to do that. <laughs> I'll do that right away. Don't worry about it. Uh, that's right. Well, Jesus, Mary, and any other saints, hurry up. But that's right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kev. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, we have someone else. We had someone else who really wanted to talk with you tonight, but something major came up apparently with the last minute, and but absolutely wanted me to send you her very best of everything. And she was a few years ahead of you in school. A couple of years ahead of you in school. And that was Pauline Downing. She sure was. Pauline <laughs> had one of the great... She was an alto in the chorus. That's right. Yes. And had a, a wonderful voice. Wonderful voice. It's, it's still not Terry, too bad. <laughs> all, of, all of us that made music a part of our lives, we owe so much. Perkins. Uh, it really, I look back now and think, you know, we just lost Hank Santos, Henry Santos, who uh, yeah. I had the most incredible relationship with, uh, beyond, way beyond Perkins. In fact, when I started to play the Boston clubs, I needed a, a jazz pianist who, who could do the stuff with me. And on a bunch of weekends, Hank came out and played with us. And it was just a joy to have him. And, and I, I look back at it now and think, and then inside the chorus, uh, the probably, I don't know what we had, maybe 110 kids in the chorus, in the upper school chorus. At least 40 of them had perfect. That's right. Poulenc Mass, you know, the Mozart Kyrie, uh, uh, Fortune Plongo. Handel's Messiah. Oh, yep. my God. Different. No, we were good. I, I mean, they're, they're still good, but we were, that was back in the day, and it was a creme de la creme. We were wonderful, and Tommy was the best. He was amazing. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was the only time my father liked me, whenever I sang solos. <laughs> 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 Christmas concert solos, yeah. <laughs> oh. And, you know, the solos were things, I'd sing them and not know what the hell we were singing about. Arise Now, Daughter of Zion, what the hell was that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, Terry, where are we going with this conversation? Before we, well, we're uh, going from this conversation is we do have a number of people with hands raised. Well, let's, and let's, shall we take a I couple more? So I hope we've cited guy. Right? I'm sorry. I said I hope we have a cited person deciding that the hands are up. Right? Oh, the oh. computer does it. No, the computer oh, does it. Does. Yeah, Jaws oh, will do it. I have, I'm a fairly low partial these days, but I can still see the hands. We, up. we don't need them dark sighted people. We can tell if the hands are up ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, 
I have found out recently, for all the stuff that you people think I'm okay at, I'm a damn dinosaur when it comes to technology. It's uh, <laughs> and, and a large part of it is that I've always had either people working for me or Patty. So it's easy to be a dinosaur when you have all those people. <laughs> Good. True enough. Okay, well, let's, let's, True let's, enough. So, so miss- let's, let's just grab a couple, a couple more. Um, one in particular I'm particularly interested in seeing you get to, and that's the second one now. Uh, the, well, the next one is Peter. I'm guessing that's Peter Altschul. Peter, if you want to unmute. Earth to Peter. I think he went away. He might have. We might have scared <laughs> him away. I probably did. I think we did. That's the way it is. I think we did. All right, then. Um, Doc. Doc Edley. Yeah, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, we are. We hear you quite well. Thank you. Good. Thank you. This is Doc U. Daly. And Tom, I heard you on an interview just a few weeks back, and you said something at the very end that that just was an inspiration to me. And you inspired me to write a serenity prayer for the handicapped. And it goes like this. Lord, give me the strength to be independent when I can be independent. And the serenity to accept help with grateful gratitude when I need help. And the wisdom to tell one from the other. And and I can't remember exactly what you said, but it, it was so profound. And it just inspired me to think of that. You've just touched my heart, uh, Chuck. Because the battle we all face, even my friend Kathy, is we are told from the beginning of our lives that we're going to be dependent. And most of us us spend our lives doing doing everything possible to be independent, right? That's what we do. We're told that we're going to be dependent. But what I said to you was that in the end, the blessing of life is when we learn the balance so that we can be interdependent. That's it. And it's, yep. that, it's, yes. it's that interdependence that's the key to it. And I, I think I told the story about the fact that in my case, I learned it in the relationship with guide dogs. Because in effect, the dogs and, and, and me have been interdependent. And I've had, because of my particular life, when I was, for example, working for Good Morning America, uh, I was in probably 40 countries with just the dog, you know, and, and soap operas. And, and so I, I would live in New York uh, five days a week uh, with, again, just the dog. And, 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 it, and so these dogs taught me this wonderful balance of interdependence. And I think that's that's. Thank you for noting it, because I think that's when we find peace, don't you? That's, I do, yeah. That's when the peace comes. Yeah. Terry? Yes. We have uh, Peter unmuted Peter. now. Peter. Yep. Yeah. Peter's um, unmuted. Yeah, so so Tom, um, I'm the guy who interviewed you for In Perspective along with Bob Branco. And yeah, you, were, yeah, you uh, by the way, Peter, I, I did this kind of 
for one year. I've never seen anyone more prepared than you were. Well, thank you. He read everything I'd written. In fact, he knew more about Tom Sullivan than Tom Sullivan did. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I have to confess, I only read two of your books, and um, but they were both interesting. And one of the questions, the question I wanted to ask you had to do with the interviews you did, as I understand, my Good Morning America. You interviewed lots of folks and sort of talked, uh, encouraged them to talk about their lives and whatever they wanted to talk about. Can you talk about how you forged those relationships in, in, in a hurry? You know, you didn't have a lot of time to, to meet these folks how you forged those relationships and how your blindness played into it, if at all. Boy, it's a great question, Peter, and it's a complex one. Makes you a pain in the ass, but... uh, (laughs) That's Peter. (laughs) I'll try to answer it. Um, My preparation was very much like anybody else. You know, you read them, as you did with me, you read the material and you... uh, you, if, it, if they're an actor or, or a performer, you watch as many performances as you can. But the real key being a good and you proved this, is to be a good listener. And you have to, that's the fastest way to gain the confidence of the person. I'll tell you one quick story that I love uh, that maybe does sum up the, the process. You also want to try to come up with a first leading question that either creates a comfort zone with the person or a discomfort. Because there are times when I would interview political people when I was looking to kick ass. I mean, I wanted to create a level of discomfort. And the story is, uh, do you guys remember the movie 10, Bo Derek? Yeah. Yeah. So... So they sent, <laughs> I was assigned to interview Bo Derek. So all the guys on the camera crew and the guys that I was working with at the time <laughs> saying, this, we're sending a blind guy to interview a perfect physical 10. What the hell is the problem with this? <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this. So, <laughs> I, I, but I was going to do the interview and I thought, okay, if that's the case, then I need to do something that creates ambiance with Ms. Derek. So the first question I asked her at the time was, Bo, my friends tell me you're a perfect physical 10. That doesn't tell me anything about why I should like you. So tell me why I should, tell me why I should like you. And she started to cry. I said, you know, that's the problem. But I They don't know that I'm married to my husband and love him. They don't know about the animals I care about. They don't know about my commitment to the environment. So it it turned out to be a really touching, special. So to answer your question, Peter, it's even to make sure that your first question, just like you just did, great question. (laughs) uh, Terry, you got anybody else up there that wants to, before we... Anyone else want to talk to you? Oh, you got a bunch of people. (laughs) We got tons of them here. Eight. But I thank you. But I thank you, Peter. And uh, I will talk to Tom about your requests too. um, Afterward. Um, Thanks. I appreciate it. Okay. Area code five hundred one and ending in nine seven four. 
this is the Teresa, and I talked to you about, oh, I think it was four weeks ago now, give or take. Yeah, when Teresa, you were on, we uh, did. We, we did. We had a wonderful conversation. It was. It was. Oh, I'm, I'm good, except I tested positive on the first. <laughs> that oh, sort of put a big chunk in part of my month of September. But that's yeah. not why I raised my hand to talk. I wanted to, um, uh, since you were talking about, um, uh, you know, persons with disabilities, you know, mainly visually impaired, and, you know, since this, you know, this is blind perspective, I mean, well, you know, disabilities, I should say, but uh, a few years ago, when the American Council of the Blind Convention was held in St. Louis, we were treated with a, a guest um, who had had a, a role in NCIS. And she um, was um, helping the detectives find a killer. And, of course, um, you know, she knew how to trick this guy because, you know, she could turn out the lights. And, um, you know, she had all the moves in her house that he didn't, you know, he didn't, she could find because she couldn't. But they showed us the film, you know, they showed us a piece of NCIS where she appeared. And, you know, it was described, which I really enjoyed that because when I'd seen it before, the first time, I, you know, it wasn't described. Um, somebody asked her a question. I don't remember the nature of the question, but I do remember something she said was that a lot of times, 95% of the roles about a blind person in a um, movie or, a, a you know, a TV series, the uh, piece is, you know, the role is played by a, a fully sighted person. Uh, and that sorry, that was like, go ahead. Yeah, I was like, you, oh. I'm glad you brought it up because I talked about it earlier. I faced it as an actor. I faced it a bunch of times. Yes. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a really time to say this. If you said to any of us on this uh, on this conversation, how do we want to be remembered? Like, what do we want? And I can tell you that uh, when I'm gone, I've told my children that what I wanted to say on the gravesite, here lies Tom. He was a husband, father, actor, athlete, author, humanitarian, who, by the way, happened to be blind. The blindness gets moved down the list of perception. Right. Absolutely, yeah. I think we all want it in one way or another. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, I, I, I'll say this, I, I, and again, I wouldn't say this outside of this call with everyone, but if you, if you said, Tom, what do you want most in life? Or what has your whole life been about? Thousands of speeches or... You know, the blessed life I've had, it's this whole idea that maybe, just maybe, I've been a fellow that's had a chance to help others change the label. That is that is the central theme of my life. <coughs> and it's great to say that on this call with everybody because that is how I feel. And, 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 it's, and I don't care whether it's the Council for the Blind or the Federation for the Blind or any organization that relates to us or any member of those organizations or any kid who's born blind now still or anyone who loses it along the way, somehow a label system has to be changed. 
has to be changed. Yes. Anyway, so thank you, Therese, for the question. Right. And, or the well, you know, yes, thank you well, very I much, could, and I hate yeah. to cut you short, but we've got eight okay. people. I, I've got eight more calls and not that All many right. minutes left, I'm afraid. And a lot of hands. I wish we could have done. I wish we could have done two hours of this. Um, Oh, I understand. Okay, I'll let. I'll let you know. You're welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Agnes, Agnes from Colorado. Yes, Uh, Tom. I was the Agnes on when you were interviewed on Perspective that they were trying to get a chance to talk, and I had some technology glitches that I couldn't resolve but one thing I wanted to know is if you still travel with the guide dog and I also wanted to say how much I enjoyed your book uh, Leading Lady Dinah's Story I thought you and Betty White did a great job with that book and I I love that book and I appreciated very much your honesty and forthrightness about when you did some things that you know weren't the best to do and how you had gotten the matters resolved with a guide dog because in a lot of books people make it seem like there's never any issues I've I've had some guide dogs I don't have one now but you know, sometimes when I would run into problems, people would say, well, that's not supposed to happen, you know, because they, they have this picture that the dogs are perfect. Agnes, I, I so appreciate this because uh, uh, it's so interesting. I lost my last guide dog, Baron, big, beautiful German Shepherd who was with me for 11 years, a year ago this month. And I had said I would never have another one. I've had six. I thought that's the end. Because I'm not traveling as much now, and the need is not as dynamic. But Patty, my wonderful wife, Patty. And so right now, this very minute, there's a beautiful golden retriever in training. His name is Theodore. <laughs> Theodore and I are going to get together in right after Thanksgiving. And uh, this was all about Patty. Patty said, I don't want a shepherd again. I want a golden retriever that can relate to the entire <laughs> family. So, Mr. Theodore will be joining the Sullivans in first uh, of December. But oh, that's December, awesome! Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up, and and thank you. We're so lucky to have the help of of our friends with Fort. Betty White used to say, "He loved everything with a leg on each corner." it's it's a great way to say it and by the way if any of you want to read a book right now everybody on this call go to Audible and read Patty's Betty White's Pearls of Wisdom Life Lessons from a Beloved American Treasure Patty Sullivan 75 wrote this book and it's now going to be on the New York Times bestseller list it's oh, finest, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's the finest piece of writing. I never knew that my wife of 53 years do this. And it's not about show business. The book is about Betty's relationship with Patty and our family having nothing to do with show business. I wonder we if we can it. get it recorded on, on Bard, because that sounds like a perfect book. I, uh, and I don't know what the rules are about that, but it is on audible.com. It is on Audible, okay. It's on Audible, and for all of you, uh, please read it. It's a, it's a, 
beautiful piece of work. Oh, yeah, okay. Thanks, Agnes. Thanks very much. Connie Bateman. <laughs> oh, hi, Tom. Hi, it's so nice to hear from you. Um, I, I want to know, how did you and Betty White become mm -hmm. friends? Great story, Connie. We, uh, I was playing in a bar on Cape Cod. My dad had left my mother, and I needed money to go to Harvard. I was going to Harvard College. And I, I got a job with another friend playing in this club, beautiful little bar in Yarmouth Port on Cape Cod. And Betty White and her husband, Alan, had come to uh, Cape Cod to do summer stock, a play in the Cape Cod Playhouse. And they would come in to my little bar every night after work. And sometimes uh, I would sing their favorite songs, and sometimes they would get up and sing. And we became instant friends. Well, I was a junior in college, and if I'm uh, to my friend Kathy, if there was a good-looking woman in the room, I was chasing her. So, <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah, you know, when you play the piano and you sing and everything, you kind of got a, a, a foot up on the competition. So I'm in there doing this, and uh, the bartender one night said, oh, my God, he said, Tom, there's a girl in here. He said, if you could see her, oh, Jesus. He said, she's like 5'10", great legs. You better figure out how to talk with her. Well, the girl said to me, can you play by the time I get to Phoenix? I said, yeah, I can do that. So I did. And then and she'd had a couple of drinks, so she kind of got teary-eyed at the end, and she said, do you mind if I ask you something? I said, no. She said, do you mind if I ask you how you went blind? I said, well, I don't really like to talk about it. She said, oh, come on. I said, well, <laughs> I said, I was an F4 in Vietnam. And oh, you didn't. I <laughs> six years in Haiphong prison, and you're the first woman I've met since I got out. And Betty White <laughs> said, young lady, he is so full of There's a young woman who comes in here every night, and if you could see her eyes look at you, She'd never date anybody else. And she grabbed my arm and pulled me across the room. Mm -hmm. Said, young lady, what's your name? And the girl said, I'm Patty Stephan. She said, this is Tom Sullivan. Sit down. And she pushed me into a chair. Oh. Patty and I have been married 53 years, and that's because... Wonderful. What a wonderful oh, wow. story. Oh, that's a great story. story. That's that wonderful. Is. Everybody, read, read Patty's book, because it's all in there. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. What's the name Absolutely. of the book again, Todd? It's called Betty White's Pearls of Wisdom. Why through the American treasure. Oh, my goodness. I got to get it. Okay. Yes, indeed. We're at 11 minutes to the hour, Terry. You got seven hands. I know. I know. <laughs> Everybody, you got 30 seconds, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. Area code 614. Oh, good. Thank you so much. I've, I am just honored to talk to you, Tom. And I've been wanting to tell you since the last show, since you uh, talked about the book by uh, your wife, um, it is on Bookshare. Oh, so, um, you know, for those of you who use that service, I have downloaded it, but I have not read it yet. And I've just been wanting to let everybody know that so badly. So, very um, good. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. So, has it. I see it in partners with Butcher. 
Um, okay. Anyway, my, I'm just, oh my gosh, I've, I've read so many, you know, I've read several of your books. I'm looking forward to reading this one. I hadn't heard about you for quite some time. And, you know, we really missed, uh, you being on television and things like that. I hope some, at some point, you know, maybe you'll, uh, do some type of acting again or something, you know, where maybe, know, maybe sure, we can yeah. see you in a, I've been offered a bunch of things and, uh, the major reason that I haven't is that the nonprofit stuff I'm, I do now means a lot more to me. Uh, sure. Plus, sure, I understand that. I'm well, I'll certainly... Place, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm at a place now where I really see myself more as a writer uh, than anything else. This this novel that I'm just... Fin- well, it's going to be on Simon & Schuster in about eight months. It's a probably the most exciting piece of work I've ever had the privilege to do. And Terry, it's, uh, I won't go into it. It's called the Southeast and it's all about South Boston and the Irish. And uh, <laughs> Kathy, will love it. Uh, Kathy and I will have well, a great time with it. See, oh, we gotta get that not, Terry. Tom, what, what I don't think you know is that my maiden name was Doherty. My mother was a Morrissey and hers was an O'Brien. Well, that's so. exactly why we're friends. Is that why you're so messed up, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it's great to be able to make your acquaintance, and I'll be looking forward to your uh, to your new book. And oh my gosh, I do have to tell you when I read the book about you know what happened with your uh, daughter, and you know how she almost drowned and stuff in that pool that time. Wow, that was that was really tough to read, but I really it was indeed. I'm sorry we've got yeah, to. Keep I moving. must commend you for putting all that information out and sharing it with everybody. You've done such a tremendous job. Thank you so thanks, much. Thanks, Shirley, very much. Karen, who else have you got there? I've got Karen. Hi, um, I will be very quick. It's Karen Folsom Schroeder, and I met you ages ago when I was in college. Um, and you uh, came to my college. And anyway, I still have a, I still have a signed copy of the leading lady that you gave me. And I've read it a million times. Oh, and uh, Karen, anyway, it's just school? so good what to school? hear your voice and hear from you again no, after so long. What was your school? What school? Um, it was Warrensburg, Central Missouri oh State. Goodness. You bet. Well, thanks, Karen. I, I'm glad that you have... Have uh, the leading lady. That was a, such a special book to write with my friend Amy White. Yeah, and then I also enjoyed. Line, I think a, the other one was As I See It. I love that book. That I think sums up life in a way. It, and Betty wrote it. The line was, "Dinah, Dinah was the guide dog. Right. Dinah taught Tom to grow up and taught me to grow old." Oh, <laughs> what a sweet dog. One of the great lines in the world. Dinah taught Tom to grow up and taught me to grow old. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, John Gassman. I think we've heard Hi, of John. you before. Hello there. Uh, Tom, John Gassman, and the first time that Larry and I ever heard you on the air was on a Los Angeles radio station. You were doing a series at the time in the 70s, I think. It was a disability show on Sunday nights, and Charlie Wright was the announcer. Oh, Charlie, sure. And I, I don't remember who the other lady was. There were 
but I wondered if you had any that that was a disability show and early on before those things were popular uh, wonder if you had any recollections of doing that show absolutely because I had just done my first TV series I'd just done Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams and uh, the show was about very much about adjustment and uh, Robin of all the actors I worked with in my life Robin Williams was the best of them all. Oh, I love him. Oh, my gosh. He was so special to be with. And and just quickly, a quick story. Robin, we were doing the show, and it was with Tom Poston, wonderful actor. And the story was basically a story of a guy, my character, who was a musician who had been alienated by his father. And Mork and Mindy bring Aunt me and the dad back together. And there's a delicate scene in the end. And we did the scene in dress rehearsal, and the director came charging into the room and said, you people, you, this is comedy, this isn't drama. You people have to pick. Well, this is... And Robin Williams got right in this guy's face, and he said, excuse me, he said, uh, how many shows have you done here? The director said, I've done seven. And Robin said, well, I'm the star of this show, you son of a... There won't be an eighth. Oh, Whoa. <laughs> oh, I love Robin Williams. Like, oh, let, let these actors do this this the way they want it. Well, <laughs> the wonderful blessing is that the sh- that particular episode won an Emmy. So, uh, it uh, I think we put the director in his place, or Robin. <laughs> it certainly sounds that way. Um, I'm just trying to see Jane Perry. You got about 15 seconds. Hi, Hello. This is such an honor to speak to you, and I'm your Cape Cod connection. So where did you sing and um, play in down in Cape Cod? But I also want to share uh, one oh, quick Jan- thing with you. What was that called? Janie, I church, which was on Yarmouth Road. I know it well. I played, I played <laughs> Baxter's down on the wharf in Hyannis. Yep. Barris Bus, yep. I yep. played a Chinese joint called Johnny Yee's. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God. I just want to share with you one quick thing, one quick thing. You talk about um, I now have no vision, and I'm very old. I wish I had gone to Perkins with you guys. It sounded like a lot of fun. But I consider my vision impairment a gift, and I want to tell you why. And this is my philosophy that I live with every day, that nothing is impossible. It's how I make it possible with courage and confidence, imagination and ingenuity, Simplicity and perseverance, laughter and humor, but most importantly, with independence, dignity, and pride. And I am proud to have a vision person. And I try to teach everybody about the syndrome I have of my eye disease of retinitis pigmentosa. So hey, James, it is truly, gonna, truly, truly an honor yeah, to speak to you. I'm going to. That's wonderful. <laughs> thank you, Jane. That's all I have to say. Thank you, Terry. Uh, thanks, thanks, Jane. Penny Reader. I have asked you to unmute if you can. I'd appreciate it um, because I know Penny. Penny and I have talked several times this week about your being on, and she had a question that I just thought, or a comment that I just thought would be very hey, appropriate. You, there Terry, you are, Tom. How nice to meet you and talk with you. I just want to tell you that um, I have not, had not read your books, but in the 1980s, at some point, I was at home as a blind mom. With a bunch of little kids, I have six, um, and um, I heard a lot of the time about all the things that I couldn't do. I remember at the time I was in a fight with my P 
pediatrician trying to convince him that I knew when my child had a fever, even though I didn't have a tactile thermometer. Um, and uh, I saw your movie, and it was so inspiring to me, Tom. It gave me so much confidence. And I know that I'm not the only person that had this experience. And I just want to thank you for writing the book and making such a great movie, because I think it meant a lot to lots and lots of people that you don't even know. Uh, and I'm an ROP person, too. <laughs> it just made me cry. <laughs> I, uh, that's, that's, that's why I put her on. <laughs> what, uh, sure, Terry. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, everybody on this phone and on the computer, uh, I'm a guest today on this show. But you've all given me a gift. Uh, every one of us needs inspiration. We do. It, and yeah, okay, I've been on the other end. I've been the guy who's maybe been offering for people. But this, for me, remind me that I've still got a lot more to do. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Terry, I, I thank you for setting this up, and, and I guess we'll call it a day, huh? I think we're going to have to. I so hope that we can have you, that I can convince you to come back if I haven't scared you yeah, away. Let's too get him on again for a, yes, a longer. Yes, please, 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 please. <laughs> <laughs> you got I, think, I, think, I, I think that's the equivalent of an encore around here. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> What's your email address so we can invite you to different clubs and conventions? You, what you want to? What you want to do? I think that was Randy that asked that. What you want to do is um, email me at Visibilities. You know the address, V-I-S-A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E-S, Visibilities50 at gmail.com, and I will forward it on to uh, Tom. Well, thank you Excellent. everybody for this time. Yeah, and, uh, thank, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful, wonderful experience for yes, all of us. See you soon. And you're thank welcome you back much. anytime. Yeah. Yes. 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 You're part of the of the visibilities family now. <laughs> you are, yeah. <laughs> well, the next time we have to have at least an hour and a half or two hours. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. Well, yeah. and the next time I won't I won't host so that maybe I can talk. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom, you're lucky that he hosted. Trust me. Thank you for your inspiration. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I love it.